Did you miss me? The Griff Report starts right now. Two, one, boom. Hotep Jesus. Of all the Jesuses I know, he's the Hotepiest. Social scientist and YouTube host, Hotep Jesus. How the fuck do you get a name like Hotep Jesus? It's the one and only Hotep Jesus. Ryan Sharp, better known to the world as Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Somebody said... What do you think you are? Some kind of Hotep Jesus? Ooh, and that's I was good. Just like, ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> yes, I do think I'm Hotep Jesus. Good afternoon, Hoteps. Welcome to the Griff Report Live Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm your host, the Griff God. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Oh, this is a real Hotep brother. Hotep to the chat. Hotep to my Hotep of standings. Hotep. Y'all seen a Hotep of stand commercial? Oh, it's, it's going up. Shout out to Syscoin. It's going up. If you ain't got no Syscoin, make sure you start loading your bags. Hotep of stand is about to be built. And uh, that's where my communications are going to be. My communications are going to be entirely within the community of Hotep of stand in the cryptoverse. Which is uh, sort of like a DAO, decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, some call it social fi, social finance. This is the future. Old type of stand coming soon. Make sure y'all load up them Syscoin bags. If you don't know how to, or you'd like to get in line to join Hotepistan, be a part of this great, great endeavor. Hit the link in the description box below and join our Telegram group for more info. Yesterday, um, my entire family was sick. I woke up, thought I was exempt, and then very quickly found that I was not exempt. And the bug hit me. And um, I was out for the count. And about... I had made up my mind that I was going to do yesterday's stream. I said, I'm not going to just not do the stream because I'm sick. I'm going to fucking take some medicine, dope up and make it. Yeah. Um. So I, like, I want to say like 30 minutes before the show was going to start, I was going to do what today's topic was. I was going to do yesterday. And I was like, uh, I had done all the research already and I was like, all right, let's go. And uh, I got up and then, collapsed and that's when i realized oh yeah today's stream isn't going to happen i don't even have the energy to stand up <laughs> i can't even stand up <laughs> so unfortunately i couldn't pull a flu game yesterday but um the bug is behind us now i'm hydrating and getting back to normal and it seems like we are right on time we are right on time Who's in the chat? Let me check on my chatters real quick. Actually, let me separate these windows out. I'm out of practice. I got windows that shouldn't be together together. Shout out to my rumblers rumbling. I see you. What up, Kay? Kay, I need you to fix your link for the 30th time. Fix your link. You can customize it in the back end. So it can say metalvoider.com slash K. Fix that ASAP so it's clickable over on Rumble. You are losing clicks by not doing that. Um... Steph Colonel, Jabari, Strong Dad, what up, y'all? I missed y'all, man. Renee Vogel, what up, y'all? Matter Step. 
Michelle says balance and wellness to you, HJ, all in the chat. Hotep CPA, what up, man? He said, glad you're live today, Hotep and Bill. Shout out to Hotep CPA. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the super chat. I appreciate you. That's a big, that's a big super chat too. 27 buck of rules. Appreciate you. Jay Pylon is always protocol. I see you. Protocol will be DJing at the Grifties. Make sure y'all get y'all tickets to the Grifties. <laughs> Did I have bad curry? <laughs> Make sure you get your tickets to Grifties, Grifties.com, G-R-I-F-T-I-E-S.com, Grifties.com. Go get your tickets. Our live event, special award show, the only award show that matters in this country. Make sure y'all go check it out. Of course, you know, I'll be joined on stage with none other than Primetime 99, Alex Stein, Chrissy Mayer, Sam Tripoli, Sonny Johnson, quarter of the Tim cast and a bunch of special guests that are showing up that I'm not allowed to mention. So some of your favorites going to definitely be in the building. Take a healthy double dose of flow. You know what? You're absolutely right. Um, actually, I'm not going to take flow. I'm going to take my apex because I got to refill my flow bottle. My flow bottles running empty. I'm going to take some apex though. I got my apex right here. You know what I'm saying? Make sure y'all, Y'all in tune with the supplements over at menoforder.com. All right. So let's get into today's presentation. Before I do that, I want to open up the Griff bag. I want to see what's in the Griff bag um, that allows me to set this up. Um, this could be a good start. This could be a good start. Let's try that. Um, what else? This could be added. And actually, we should start here. No, actually, we're going to. We're going to use that as the last piece before we move into today's presentation. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up a tweet by uh, Libs of TikTok. You see that on your screen right now. Libs of TikTok here says, uh, not a single student, not a single student can read at grade level in 30 Illinois schools. I bet they can name a dozen genders and explain why white people are evil. You're going to see in today's presentation why I'm bringing these things up. But um, most notably, why white people are evil has been inserted into this uh, unfortunate uh, set of statistics. The next one here is from your favorite Matt Walsh. Somebody says slavery is white history. How we survived it is black history. Slavery is world history. White people did not invent it and were not the first to practice it, but were the first to abolish it. The last place in the world uh, to have uh, legal slavery was Africa. It wasn't fully legally abolished on the continent until eight, uh, 1981. Um,
Uh, Law Abba says uh, also slavery is white history because you don't get white people as a social ruling class until 1689. Um, where's the quote tweets here? Where is it? How do you see quote tweets on here? Uh, view engagements. Yeah, view engagements. Quotes. Here we go. Sonny Johnson says, I'm glad you said this. White people were the first to racialize slavery. You created black America with your adaptation to whiteness. We all agree you are not colorblind and America will not be a race. See you on the battlefield. Mofax says, spoken like a true political bottom, uh, political power bottom. Any quotes here, Nelly Fuller, uh, if you don't understand white supremacy slash racism, everything that you do understand will only confuse you. Um, I was really looking for. Um, I was really looking for uh, Goldstein. Goldstein's response. Is this it? OK, here we go. Goldstein's response was the best. I, I thought I thought his response was the best right here. Um abolished huh if you say so and he's got the apple google glasses on the apple google glasses that's what i'm calling them the apple google glasses and i thought that was just the best response because when people say dumb shit you kind of got to respond in a way that makes them look even dumber um this comment here from matt walsh didn't deserve any intellectual um retort now let's go to the one before our presentation today none other than Charlie Kirk. Just customer service. At times, you can't... Here's what's, here's what's upsetting to me, Heather, is if I'm dealing with somebody in customer service who's a moronic black woman, I don't... I, I wonder, is she there because of her, her excellence or is she there because of affirmative action? It almost creates thought patterns that are not necessarily wholesome. It creates resentment, doesn't it, Heather? This is not a way to design society. Just customer service... Now he's afraid of the customer service lady. <laughs> Todd Mike says uh, Matt Walsh is a master troll engagement engagement harvester. Yeah, yeah, he's engagement farming. All right, without further ado, let's get to the intellectual side of today's debate. Um, and um, I gotta say, uh, today's uh, stream was definitely inspired by people like Charlie Kirk. I'm saying to myself, what is this anti-blackness all of a sudden coming from the Republicans? Like, why now? It just it seemed really weird that all these accounts are, you know, in a concerted effort. It seems coordinated. Like some central intelligence agency was behind all of this. But it seems coordinated. I was trying to figure out why. So, as you know, I always got to look back into history. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with the Negro Republican Party. Try to figure out what happened here. Okay. I'm going to spend some time on this topic here. The Negro Republican Party. This is from uh, Wikipedia, the most trusted source on the planet. <laughs> the Negro Republican Party was one name used in the period before the end of the civil rights movement. 
in the period for the end. Okay. For a branch of the Republican Party in the southern United States, particularly Kentucky, that was predominantly made up of African-Americans. In the Republican Party in the South during the Civil War and Reconstruction ever, as well as decades thereafter, there was a split in the party's constituency and organization. One faction consisted of conservative white moderates who either gleefully or reluctantly accepted uh, limits on African-American civil rights and generally excluded African-Americans from party participation, especially in leadership. Nationally, this faction was aligned with the contemporary moderate Republicans known as half-breeds following the end of Reconstruction and the uh, Compromise of 1877. The other faction consisted of African-Americans and so-called radicals who supported African-American civil rights and party participation. Nationally, this faction was aligned with the contemporary radical Republicans, including the stalwart faction of the party, which subsequently materialized upon the Compromise of 1877 and succeeded the radicals thereafter. One method of black participation in the Republican Party at the time included involvement in the Union Leagues. Republican political organizations formed in the South in 1867 during the Reconstruction era to promote black political activity and civil rights. And this was named after organizations of the same name formed in the North during the Civil War to promote activity in favor of the Union. Okay, so Union Leagues comes from the Civil War. Um, after circa 1890, when uh, the factional division of the National Republican Party between the half-breeds and stalwarts is generally understood to have ended, the pro-black, racially inclusive faction of the Republican Party in the South became generally known as the Black and Tan Faction, while the racially exclusive white-centric faction became generally known as the Lily White Movement. William F. Butler of uh, Jefferson County, Kentucky, spoke at the first convention of the Negro Republican Party held in Lexington, Kentucky in November 1867 and became the president of the party. The religious, so wait, let's stop right there and head back on over to Twitter. Um, Doe posted something here. Here we go. Um, so here he is. Um, he quotes uh, Butler here. He says, not all men are equal, but every man has the right to be equal of every other man if he can. In all constitutions, all laws, all enactments, all prejudices, all caste, all custom, all controversy of that right is unjust, impolitic, and unchristian. Um, let's go back. So that's uh, the same uh, William Butler that we have here. I think, I think, although I could be wrong. Let me see. No, I think this is a different Butler. I, my apologies. Uh, and my apologies if it, that's the same one. It just I just saw him tweet that and I thought it was the same person. All right, let's continue. Um, the religious leader, uh, uh, Elisha Green, 
was chosen vice president of the uh, Kentucky branch at Lexington Convention in 1967. He was a leading Baptist preacher, blah, blah, blah. Democrats opposed civil rights and voting rights for African-Americans who were the majority of eligible voters in some states. In 1966, the Old Guard magazine accused Democrats of using force and fraud to gain and retain power and uh, representing but a despised faction of American people. Um, let's skip down to the last paragraph here. It says African-American males were allowed some voting rights in Alabama until 1901 when the state functionally disenfranchised them, although still technically letting them register. Interesting. The Negro Republican Party in Birmingham, Alabama, was organized in opposition to the Lily White Republican Party. After that party prevented any of the 25 black delegates from taking part in its uh, Birmingham convention. In Maryland, while the Democrats were typically uh, against allowing blacks to vote at all, the Republicans wanted to give them this and other basic rights. But many did not want blacks to hold important political offices or to have frequent contact with whites. Their vote was important to Republicans. However, in 1909, at a time when the Democrats were pushing for disenfranchisement in the state, Republicans called on all members of the Negro Republican Party to turn out on voting day in every district. Um, so here, their vote was important to Republicans. We're going to revisit this in, in, in a moment here. I just wanted to give you a quick overview of the Negro uh, Republican Party, which I think this does not do a good job of ex exhausting all the details, but uh, fine enough. Okay. Um, Democrats pushing for disenfranchisement. And again, Republicans calling on Negro Party the Negro Republican Party to turn out in voting, right? So they don't want blacks to have power or frequent contact with whites, right? All right, let's continue. So now that leads us to the Lily White movement. What is this Lily White movement that the previous article was talking about? And this is where we're going to spend a good portion of today's stream discussing the Lily White movement. Jabari said, I think him, Yvette, and Tariq Nasheed should go in a room and hash it out, hash it all out. They mostly agree on everything. Yeah. Uh, Todd Mayak says, always remembers the civil rights movement started in 1866, not 1966. By the time Malcolm Martin and our parents and them, that was like the sixth iteration of the movement. That's that's a great grab from my read. Absolutely. Um. Jabari said that brother Naeem is a good historian on the early black freedmen Republican Party. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He, he does a lot of deep dives into the freedmen. Um, okay, now let's go back. Lily White movement. So, the question today is what happened to all of the black Republicans? Why is Charlie Kirk acting like this? Why are, why is there seem to be a concerted effort to push black people out of the Republican Party? It says here, the Lily White movement was an anti-black political movement within the Republican Party in the United States in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. It was a response to political and socioeconomic gains made by African-Americans. 
following the Civil War and the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which eliminated slavery and involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime. During Reconstruction, black leaders in the South gained influence in the Republican Party by organizing black people. As an important voting bloc via union leagues and the biracial black and tan faction of the Republicans, conservative whites attempted to eliminate this influence and recover white voters who had defected to the Democratic Party. The Lily White movement proved successful throughout the South and was a key factor in the growth of the Republican Party in the region. So you may not like the strategy, but it worked. It absolutely worked to give Republicans more power. Um, let's drop down here. The background says immediately following the war, all the Southern states enacted black codes, laws intended specifically to curtail the rights of newly freed African-Americans. Many northern states enacted their own black codes, restricting or barring black immigration. The Civil Rights Act of 1866 however, nullified most of these laws and the Federal Freedmen's Bureau was able to regulate many of the affairs of Southern black men who were granted the right to vote in 1867. Groups such as Union League and the Radical Republicans sought total equality and complete integration of black people into American society. It says here, the Republican Party itself held significant power in the South during Reconstruction because of the federal government's role. Okay. Um, I think one of the things I like to construe here is um, state control with Republicans, federal control with um, the Democrats, um, especially congressional wise. Um, and again, coming back to just creating a balance of power, right? controlling the people. Anyway, during Reconstruction, Union Leagues were formed across the South after 1867 as an all-black working auxiliaries of the Republican Party. They were secret organizations that mobilized free men to register and vote to the Republican. Uh, register to vote and vote and to vote Republican. They discussed political issues, promoted civic projects, and mobilized workers opposed to certain employers. Most branches were segregated, but few were integrated. But a few were integrated. Uh, the leaders of the all black units were mostly urban black people from the north who had never been enslaved. Historian Eric Fauna reports by the end of 1867, it seemed that virtually every black voter in the south had enrolled in the Union League, the Loyal League or some equivalent local political organization. Meetings were generally held in a black church or school. So nearly every black voter in the South was basically a Republican. Amazing. According to Eric Foner, black leaders of the 19th century. Um, and now today, you know, it's the opposite. Be hard pressed to find a black Republican voter. So why? During the 19th century, a small number of African-Americans were elected to United States Congress. All were members of the Republican Party. In the South, the party was a voting coalition of freedmen, freed slaves, carpetbaggers. Carpetbaggers is a derogatory term used by Southern whites for recent arrivals from the North. 
and scalawags, a derogatory term describing those Southern whites who had been loyal to the U.S. during the Civil War. In the South, the Republican Party gradually became known as the Party of the Negro. The Party of the Negro. So every black every uh, black voter in the South is basically a Republican, and the Republican Party is called the Party of the Negro. In Texas, black people comprised 90% of the party's members during the 1800s. So 90% of the Republican Party in Texas was black folk. Wow. The Democratic Party increasingly came to be seen by many in the white community as the party of respectability. The first Ku Klux Klan targeted violence against black Republican leaders and seriously undercut the Union League. Um, so some responses to, you know, how black people ended up with the Democratic Party. Everybody says it was the Gibbs, you know, give me something for free. And uh, let's take a look at it. Republican factionalism. Black Republicans increasingly demanded more and more offices at the expense of the scalawags. The more numerous black and tan element typically won the factional battles. Many scalawags joined the opposing Lily Whites or switched to the Democrats. Okay. Following the death of Texas Republican leader Edmund J. Davis in 1883, black civil rights leader Norris Wright Cuny uh, rose to the Republican chairmanship in Texas, becoming a national committee man in 1889. While black Americans were a minority overall in Texas, CUNY's rise to this uh, position caused a backlash among white conservative Republicans in other areas, leading to Lily White's becoming a more organized na uh, nationwide effort. CUNY himself coined the term Lily White movement to describe rapidly intensifying organized efforts by white conservatives to oust black Republicans from positions of party leadership and incite riots to divide the party. Some authors contend that the effort was coordinated with Democrats as part of a larger movement toward disenfranchisement of black people in the South by increasing restrictions in voter registration rules. Um, positions of party leadership. We got to highlight that. Super important. And then coordinated with Democrats. So let's fast forward. 2024. Is there fear among the Lily White Republicans that they could be replaced by black leadership? Is that a fear? Do they fear a, a, a Sonny Johnson uh, rising to power amongst the Republicans? And this is the thought that just came to my mind just now, which is why I had to pause. Is it because they fear that they will lose 
to the Democrats if they get too black because of the racist whites that still exist today. You know, like, we can't appear to be too black. We got to curb this a little bit. We're going to get back to that in a second. Let's continue. I'm going to show you I'm going to show you an interesting stat here in a second. But let's continue. We're going to revisit that thought. Coordinated with Democrats. So the Democrats, according to some authors, also supported the Lily White movement because it was a disenfranchisement of black people. They didn't want black people in positions of power within any political party. So it was a coordinated effort by not only Democrats, but lily white Republicans to diminish the roles of blacks in the Republican Party. Okay. What is too black, says Metatep. Metastep. What up, Sonny? Sonny's in the chat. You see, I said Sonny's name and didn't even know she was here. Y'all see that? It's my sister right there. Metastep, you said, what is too black? I'm going to show you in a second. I'm going to show you in a second what I mean by too black. Um, and let's let's dive into a little bit here. Sonny Johnson's comment. They fear the power of our culture. I do agree with that. I do think that. At the grifter level. You know, they fear that somebody like a Sonny Johnson could be way more persuasive. Um that change in the face of this nation and, and the grifter class would be replaced with somebody more honorable. Somebody who won't try and divide the nation. I do. I do think so. Um, and, and that goes across the color barrier, too, because there's white people that could do really good shit and they won't allow them in. Right. Um, but black people are generally very, very um, charismatic and persuasive. Uh, mostly because we're allowed to do things that white people are not allowed to do in regard to communication. Let's continue. Downfall of black Republicans. By 1890, uh, with a few brief exceptions, the Democratic Party had gained control of all state legislators in the South. Damn! It went from Republican to Democrat that fast. From 1890 to 1908, Southern states accomplished disenfranchisement of black people. And in some states, many poor whites, many poor whites. As I was telling you before, a lot of times this shit comes down to class. These, these, these lily whites, they look the poor whites like niggas too. Um, during the first three decades of the 20th century, no black people served in the U.S. Congress due to their disenfranchisement across the South. Black leaders were barred in 1922 from the Virginia Republican Congressional Convention. The state had imposed racial segregation in public places and disenfranchised most black people by this time. At the national level, the Republican Party made some attempts to respond to black interests. In 1920, Republicans made opposition to lynching part of their platform at the Republican National Convention. Lynchings of black women and men in the South had increased in the decades around the turn of the century. Leonidas C. Dyer, uh, a white Republican representative from St. Louis, Missouri, worked with the NAACP to introduce an anti-lynching bill into the White House, into the House. I'm sorry, into the House, where he gained strong passage in 1922. One of the black and tan partisans who continued to hold appointed office was Walter L. Cohen of New Orleans. 
the customs inspector and later comptroller of customs. He gained appointments from uh, four Republican presidents and continued in office through Calvin Coolidge administration. Um, let's jump to the aftermath. Aftermath, it says here. Um, Lily White, uh, black and tan factionalism flared up in 1928 where Herbert Hoover tried to appeal to upper class Southern whites. And again, in 1932, as a New Deal coalition built by FDR began to attract African-American voters to the Democratic Party due to Democratic support of the Civil Rights Movement and Congressional passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Voting Rights Act of 1965, the shift of African-Americans toward Democratic candidates accelerated. According to author and professor Michael K. Fontroy, uh, the Lily White movement is one of the darkest and most underexamined eras of American republicanism. I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. Now, this leads us to the last section of this presentation called the Southern Strategy. Okay. Um, AJ, what would you estimate is the percentage of white people that are racist? Should parties pander to these types if we want a more united America? Wait, what? What percentage of white people are racist? Uh, I would say more than not. I don't know, 60%. I would say more white people are racist than not racist. And that is a range from mild to extremely racist, right? Um, and I think uh, that would go down to the extent of, you know, preservation of their race. If their daughter brought a nigga home, They'd be really upset. Um, H, but the, the the what was the second part of this question? Should the parties pander to these types if we want more united a more united America? I saw somebody online answer this very well. They said politicians always pander, like that's what they do. So it was like you want them to pander to you, but not another group. It's kind of weird. Candace, uh, I'm sorry, y'all. Sonny Johnson says Hoover was a Mr. Lily White. Mm. Um, should parties pander like like they all pander? They just you just like it when they pander to one group and not the other. That's what it looks like. Like and that's part of the Lily White movement, right? Is like. Um, it's like, let's pander to whites. But if you, if you talk to whites, it's not pandering, but if you talk to blacks, now it's pandering. And it's just like, well, what is pandering at this point? You know what I'm saying? So let's go to the Southern strategy here. So it says Southern strategy, um, in American politics, the Southern strategy was a Republican party electoral strategy to increase political support among white voters in the South by appealing to racism against African-Americans. So not only did you have the Lily White movement in the Republican Party, now you have the Southern strategy. Okay. Um, so if you're wondering why black people are not a part of the Republican Party or why black people view the Republican Party as racist, 
you should now begin to understand why. Because there was a serious conservative effort to remove them from the Republican Party and positions of leadership. Uh, as a civil rights movement and dismantling of Jim Crow laws in the 1950s and 1960s visibly deepened uh, existing racial tensions in much of uh, southern United States, Republican politicians such as presidential candidate Richard Nixon and Senator Barry Goldwater uh, developed strategies that successfully contributed to political realignment of many white conservative voters in the South who had traditionally supported the Democratic Party. It also helped to push the Republican Party much more to the right relative to the 1950s. By winning all the South, uh, a presidential candidate could obtain the presidency with minimal support elsewhere. Okay. It says here the phrase Southern strategy refers primarily to top down narratives of the political realignment of the South, which suggests uh, the Republican leaders consciously appealing to many white Southerners, racial grievances to gain their support. Appeal to many white Southerners to gain their support. So when I see the Charlie Kirk's and the and wokeness and all of that stuff happening online and the race grifting. It, this is what I see appealing to race grievances to gain support. So all the white people that still harbor some of that racial animus, let's tap into that to gain some support for the party too. Uh, this top down narrative of the Southern strategy generally believed to be the primary force the primary force that transfer that transformed Southern politics following the civil rights era. The scholarly consensus is that racial conservatism was critical to the post civil rights act realignment of the Republican and democratic parties, though several aspects of this view have been debated by historians and political scientists. The perception that the Republican Party had served as a vehicle of white supremacy in the South, particularly during the Goldwater campaign and the presidential elections of 1968-1972, made it difficult for the Republican Party to win back support of black voters in the South in years in later years, as we're seeing now. In 2005, Republican National Committee Chairman Ken May uh, Melman formally apologized to the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People for exploiting um racial polarization to win elections and, and for ignoring the black vote. So you got this guy, Ken, right here at the RNC in 2005, apologizes to the NAACP. I don't know why he would apologize to NAACP. He should apologize to black people as a whole, but okay, fine, whatever. There is some admittance. So somebody said, Wait, can y'all hear me? Did we get us connected? Did y'all hear all of that? Did it pause? We good? Look like uh, YouTube was acting stupid for a second. What's up with Rumble? Rumble's doing what Rumble does. Um, Rumble's acting dumb. That's really weird. And now YouTube's acting weird. Hold on. All right. 
YouTube's back now. Oh, the chat glitched. All right, cool. I'm good. All right. Um, it only cut out for what, a second. Okay, cool. All right. So now somebody in the chat, they asked, well, how, how black is too black? I'm glad you asked that question. Introduction to the Southern strategy. Y'all be walking right into this shit. It'd be funny as hell to me. Uh, although the phrase Southern strategy is often attributed to Nixon's political strategist, Kevin Phillips, he did not originate it, but popularized it. In an interview included in a 1970 New York Times article, Phillips stated his analysis based on studies of ethnic voting. So this is Kevin Phillips, American writer and commentator on politics and economics and history. Political a Republican Party strategist. So what does this Republican Party strategist say? And he says, from now on, the Republicans are never going to get more than 10 to 20 percent of the Negro vote, and they don't need any more than that. So you ask me, how black is too black? Well, I guess, according to Kevin Phillips, anything over 20 percent is too black. 10 to 20 percent. And you see our numbers usually, I think last time it was like 12 percent or something like that. Um, so my mind just drifted just now again into. Imagine, uh, see. My mind is working out. I'm sorry. I just got like 30 different like fucking. Because you got the Congressional Black Caucus. You got most of these blacks. They rock with the Democrats. And I was just thinking like, what does a full black takeover Republican Party look like? And, you know, like, again, this still comes back to Lily White movement, because. If the Republican Party. slowly became more black you'd have pushback like the dude in the chat that says oh this is pandering but many conservatives go off of meritocracy so if a black man or woman came into power under the uh, Republican party through meritocracy it would still be viewed as pandering or DEI and I think this is what many people are afraid of many politicians are afraid of Um, they're afraid of appearing to pander to black people and I think there's you know any more than 20% of the Republican and and keep in mind 20% of black people in 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 Republican leadership roles would look very black. I don't know how I can substantiate that claim. I just, to me, it just looks very black. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's continue. So hopefully I answered your question when you asked how black is too black. There you go. I gave you an answer. Um, I just started seeing code like in the Matrix word. Sonny says, if history is pandering, founding fathers are doomed. (laughs) Oh, man. Hit the like button, please. Hit the like button. 
please hit the like button. Takes two seconds. Hit the like button. Um, let me catch up on the chat before I finish. Straw Dad said, if you're not racist to any degree, then you a bitch. <laughs> what percentage of black people are racist? Um, I would probably say. More than not. I would say more than not. Definitely more than not. All right, let's continue. So it says from now on, the Republicans are never going to get more than 10 to 20 percent of the Negro vote, and they don't need to get any more than that. But Republicans would be short-sighted if they weakened enforcement of the uh, Voting Rights Act. The more Negroes who register as Democrats in the South, the sooner the Negrophobe whites will quit the Democrats and become Republicans. That's where the votes are. Without that prodding from the blacks, the whites will backslide into their old comfortable arrangement with the local Democrats. And there it is. The answer I was looking for. Why is Charlie Kirk and them acting like this? The Negro phobe whites will quit the Democrats and become Republicans. That's where the votes are. Without that prodding from the blacks, the whites will backslide into their old comfortable arrangement with the local Democrats. Wow. Wow. So they said, we want to get these white folks to vote. Let's hit that racial animus button. That's where the votes are. The more Negroes who vote as Democrats in the South, the sooner the Negro for whites will quit the Democrats and become Republicans. Mm, mm, mm. Ain't that a bitch? Ain't that something else? Is there a difference in why black people are racist and why white people are? I think there's definitely a difference in why black people are racist and white people are racist. I think, um, I think black people are racist because of our history with white people in this country. This question comes from Sonny Johnson. Um, our, our history and the way we were treated um, is why we're racist towards white people and white people are racist towards black people because, well, now you got to share. <laughs> now you got to share. Now you got to deal with black people on the on a level of meritocracy. You didn't like meritocracy. Meritocracy started working against whites. So whites had to create the black codes and other state legislations to destroy meritocracy. Because meritocracy started favoring black folks too much. Sonny Johnson said that's why they blame the war on white people on us. One is their white, when it is their white progressive cousins. 
That's true. That's true. When we look at what Charlie Kirk says here, that's exactly what he does. As affirmative action almost creates thought patterns that are not necessarily wholesome. You see, he said it creates those thought patterns that are not necessarily wholesome. Creates thought patterns that are not affirmative action almost create because of her her excellence or is she there because affirmative action almost creates thought patterns that are not necessarily wholesome. It creates resentment, doesn't it, Heather? This the Southern strategy. So now I don't think this is the Southern strategy no more. This is the Negrophobe strategy that we're experiencing now. That's what I'm, I'm going to call it. The Negrophobe strategy. The woke right. Let's continue. It says, uh, while Phillips sought to increase Republican power by polarizing ethnic voting in general, and not just to win the white South, the South was by far the largest uh, uh, prize yielded by this by his approach. Its success began at the presidential level. Gradually, Southern voters began to elect Republicans to Congress and finally to statewide and local offices, particularly as some legacy segregationist Democrats such as Strom Thur uh, Thurmond uh, retired or switched to the GOP. In addition, the Republican Party worked for years to develop grassroots political organizations across the South, supporting candidates for local school boards and city and county offices, for example. But following the Watergate scandal, uh, the Southern voters came out in support of the favorite son candidate, uh, Southern Democrat Jimmy Carter. So let's go to this uh, section here on background. Um, I'm just going to read the first paragraph here. It says, uh, during Reconstruction, the Republican Party built up its base across the South and controlled each state except Virginia. But from a national perspective, the Republicans gave priority to its much better established northern state operations. Southerners distrusted the scalawags, found the carpetbackers distasteful, and lacked respect for the black component of their Republican political party. Richard Abbott says that national Republicans always stressed building their northern base rather than extending their party into the south. And whenever the northern and southern needs conf uh, needs conflicted, the latter always lost. OK, let's jump down here to the next section. Here we go. OK, so here we have uh, another Republican strategist. This is um, Atwater. Lee Atwater, which many of you are familiar with. So Atwater in this interview uh, with Southern Politics, 1981, Atwater says, as to the whole Southern strategy that Harry Dent and others put together in 1968, opposition to the Voting Rights Act would have been central part of uh, keeping the South. Now, Reagan doesn't have to do that. All you have to do to keep the South is for Reagan to run in place on the issues he's campaigned on since 1964, and that's fiscal conservatism, balancing the budget, cut taxes, you know, the whole cluster. Questioner says, but the fact is, isn't it, that uh, Reagan does get to the Wallace voter and to the racist side of the Wallace voter by doing away with legal services by cutting down on food stamps. Atwater says, y'all don't quote me on this. You start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts you. It backfires. So you say stuff like 
forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. You're getting so abstract now. Um, you're talking about cutting taxes, and all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and, and a byproduct of them is that blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, that we are doing away with the racial problem one way or another, you follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying we want to cut this is more abstract than even the busing thing and a hell of a lot more abstract than nigger nigger. Okay. Now, says here from 1980 to 1988 presidential elections, Georgia was the only southern state to support a Democratic presidential candidate. Republicans won U.S. seats in Mississippi and Alabama for the first time since the Reconstruction in 1978 and 1980. So you can say what you want, but the shit worked. It worked. And this is this is 78 and 80. Where the Southern strategy works. Get rid of the Negro. So when somebody asks me a question like, you know, what percentage of white people, according to history, more than not, <laughs> I got to guess more than not. Um, Sonny said they would partner with white progressive cousins that hated them, then build with black Americans. Yep. Yeah. And Republicans pick black faces for political uh, positions. The people weren't allowed to choose. Mm. Mm. Abstractions and obfuscation is how they move both parties. Yeah. Yeah. Like Yvette says, it is all hinged on ADOS people. AKA, as we know it on his channel, the great black griftening. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Let's go to the phone line, see what the people got to say. Text whole tapping your name to 202 596 5631. Text whole tapping your name to 202 596 5631. And I'll be right back after this short, brief uh, commercial break. <laughs> 